see some of uh, some of uh, Niner fans here. A couple of Niner fans. At least those brave enough to, to show it. Yeah, not too many. Uh, not too many clapping with you. Hey, by the way, you know we're a church, right? We love each other. So if there's any Packers fans, we really need to show a lot of compassion to the Packers fans. So we actually prayer team members. There'll be some special prayer team uh, focus for the I, I love you. Hey, we're with you. We're here to support you. <laughs> I thought they did good for most of the game. Okay, but um, <laughs> but uh, on Thursday we're hang we're we're working out on Thursday morning, and uh, Clint's brother Pete's a Packer fan, and even on Thursday I'm, we're ministering to him right there in the gym, <laughs> you know, ministering. But anyways, so we love uh, we love our anyways. <laughs> Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, and then we're going to also look at Luke chapter 11. Just turn to those two chapters. If you don't want to turn there, if you don't have a Bible, whatever, we'll throw them up on the PowerPoint as well. But uh, we just want to look at the Word today, and we want to talk a little bit more about getting unstuck and moving forward. This is what the Lord has been declaring over us. This isn't just like a practical how to get unstuck and move forward. I really believe, and you know, honestly, many of you have told me this that you really feel that this is a prophetic word to you. It's so encouraging to hear that because I just felt like the Lord gave me that phrase to declare over this church that this is the year of breakthrough and fruitfulness, of getting unstuck and moving forward. And I just love that many of you are just standing on that and saying, amen, Lord, I'm not going to get stuck in this brokenness. I'm not going to get stuck in some emotional thing, dysfunctional emotional thing. I'm not going to get stuck in some sin, whatever I've been stuck in, right? Where, where, where more stuckness abounds, what abounds more? Grace, right? So he gives more grace or we feel more stuck where there's more sin or whatever, more brokenness. He's going to release more grace on us. And if you remember last week, we talked about the fact that we need a plan, that the people who get unstuck and move forward, it's because they have a plan and they, and they work the plan. Amen? And then we saw this, that, that the, uh, this apostle named Barnabas ministered to a church named Antioch. It was in Acts chapter 11. Last week, we t- saw this, that he encouraged them and challenged them to continue with the Lord, to continue following Jesus as Lord with purpose of heart or with an intentional, deliberate plan, amen? That we've got to have a thought out and laid out plan. And I, and I shared with you, and I'm telling you, those people who have a plan and they stick to it, they grow. They get breakthroughs. But those people that they don't stick with the plan or they don't even have a plan, I often see they just keep going around the same issue, the same mountain, the same problem. They stay stuck in their wilderness instead of moving into their promised land. And, I, and I've also shared with you that, that it's the Word of God, that, ha, it, that, it's the word of God that, that is the fuel. Right? If you're, we, jo- we were joking about this a couple weeks ago that if you were on a road trip and you're stuck in the mud and you lost your map and your car's out of gas and your tires popped, you're stuck. You, know? you don't have a clue where you are. You don't have a clue where to get to where you're going. And what I, what I encouraged you in this was that the Word of God, the Word of God is the fuel. The Word of God gives you the traction. The Word of God fills those tires up with air. The Word of God tells you where you need to go and it tells you how to get there. Amen? And I'm convinced. I just want to start today with, by saying this and we're going to go into what Lord's saying. I'm convinced. You could be the most unstuck person in the world. You could have the least amount of hope. You could, have the, you could be the most hopeless And I don't mean that to shame anyone. You'd be the most hopeless, stuck, broken person. But the word has the power to change you. And I guarantee, 
Jesus said it this way, right? He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, right? This is what we saw last week. Jesus associated following him with his word, right? That if you're in my word, you're following me. Therefore, if you're not in my word, you're not following me. His word has the power to change us. Because what did he say? If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then he says, you shall know the truth. He is the truth, amen? I'm the way, the truth, and the life, said Jesus. But also the word is truth. You shall know the truth, and what will set you free? Not your own human effort. Not, Not you, not your plan, not your discipline, none of those things. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this is where I challenged us last week. Just show up. Just show up. You just... You, you don't have a plan? Take mine is what I said. Submit to what God's plan that he has for you. Submit to, to, to what Jesus said. Get the word into your heart. Get the word coming out of your mouth. Get in the word. Like do what the Lord has said to do and just stick to it. I guarantee you can be the most, uh, you can be the most stuck, broken person. But if you'll come to Jesus, he says, my truth will set you free. Amen? I'm just convinced. Let the word do what the word can do. It will transform your life. And that's why I just said people who... People who get unstuck are people who have that plan of really getting into the Word and stuff. Now, of course, we didn't just say get into the Word. That wasn't the only thing. I challenged us to follow Jesus as Lord in every area of our life, bringing, allowing Him to come and speak to these areas, you know, like, like in our marriage, our finances, and things like that. You know? So for me, and I, and I think I shared this last week, but for me, probably every three months or so, uh, and I probably put together plans even in between those three months, but every three months or so, I make sure I get away I also have our, our executive team like Deb and Kurt and some of the other leaders get away, spend time with the Lord. And we do a thing called roles and goals. Just hear the Lord. Uh, and that's the key, right? To hear God. But I'll go away and I'll just ask God how he wants me to structure something, what he wants me to do. But there are habits that I have in my life, habits of being in fellowship with other people, habits of reading the word, hab- just various habits I have that I've cultivated them because I've gotten distracted. I've gotten stuck. I've because I've had brokenness. I mean, honestly, most of the behaviors or habits in my life have been cultivated out of my failures, not out of my successes. Does that make sense? Like, it's been like, oh, huh, yeah, I've been, not been in the Word lately, and there's some problems there, you know? Oh, I haven't really been in fellowship. I can see why. Like, and what I've done is I've, I've, I've seen in the Word the way to do it, and I've seen in my life not the way to do it, and I've been able to make decisions to Hey, I'm going to go do it God's way, and I've seen the fruit of it. So I'm, I'm convinced. I'm disciplined more because I've become convinced. <laughs> Does it make sense? Like, oh, well, I should stick with this. You know, <laughs> it's going to work if I stick with this. So it's not like I'm super disciplined, but I've just been convinced. Uh, but even just like, you know, I said, I'll go get away. I'll do my roles and goals, and I'll, I'll pray and, uh, for the ministry. Hey, God, what are you saying for the ministry? What projects do we need to tackle? What things do we need to work on? Or for my, my marriage, hey, what do we need to cultivate on? What, what do you need to work on for my kids? Like even this last, in January, I went away with the Lord. And he had already been speaking to me, like in December, November for 2012. But I sought the Lord, and I'll come to him with questions. And I'll come to him with an open heart. Uh, you know, I'm open, but I'll say, hey, Lord, how do I love my kids better? And I'll just wait on the Lord. I'll pray, I'll worship, I'll read the word, I'll, I'll just spend some time with him. But I'll ask him specific questions. Or how do I need to grow in this area? Or sometimes it just comes out of need, like, boy, well, we really need to work on those finances, you know? And so Michelle and I, even, I've already, we've already worked on this, but, you know, having a better cash flow system. We said, hey, we got we to gotta work on this, let's do this, you know? And so we, we, we've done that, or just with my kids, just, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
to really focus on them, where are they at spiritually, where are they at emotionally, how do I, you know, how do you want me to discipline them the right way, how do you want me to train them, how do I get their heart, you know, have a heart connection with them. Uh, just so I bring all those things to the Lord, and He helps me to put a plan together. What are my roles? I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, you know, I'm a child of God. And then, and then I have goals to do those things, right? And so some of it's just a daily lifestyle of being with the Lord in His presence, worshiping, spending time in His Word. And other things are just weekly things or, or monthly things, you know, that kind of stuff. But I always have kind of a rhythm that it gets created in my life instead of just reacting, amen? Instead of just being busy or just doing things because we feel like we have to or because other people said we had to or because our schedule forces us to do them. That's what, how most people live their life, right? Reactionary, busy, dictated by what other people say, your boss, your teacher, whatever. This is what you need to do. So then we focus on all of those things instead of what is the most important thing, right? And what did Mary do? She sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said, that is the one thing, and that will not be taken from her, right? So that's why we start there. We live our life out of intimacy with God. We live our life out of that place of being with the Lord and let everything else flow from that. That's the center, okay? But it's not like we're encouraging you just, yeah, yeah, just make sure you spend time with God and, you know, don't worry about the other stuff. No, I mean, no, we bring everything before the Lord and let Him speak to us we have a plan of growth. Amen? And that plan could be, you know, for some of you, it might be rest more. I mean, it's not like we're being like legalistic or uh, workaholics. It's like the Lord might be like, no, <laughs> you've been freaking out about your plan. Stop your plan. I mean, some, some of you, your plan might be, forget your plan. I mean, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just hear the Lord and come before him and let him speak to you about those things in your life. All right. Anyways, enough of that. Um, so what I want to talk to you about from Matthew 16 today is this. I said that um, that the Lord, we need a plan to move forward. But here's the question I want to answer today. I think it's a question that you may ask yourself, or you may ask it in different ways. But let me say it this way. How can I accelerate, or how can I increase the growth that's happening in me? Or if there's none. How, how is it that as... Uh, how is it as Christ's followers, we can increase our capacity to receive from the Lord and increase the speed in which we grow or the capacity of us receiving that transformation from the Lord? Does that make sense? Now, I'm not talking about that everything, I'm not talking about in microwave Christianity. You know, don't misunderstand me like, whoa, Dave, you know, just quick fix, easy, easy answers. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. You and I both know that there's perseverance in the kingdom, right? Like we just got to stick with it and just keep going and press into what the Lord has for us. But I'm telling you, I've watched people struggle with the same issues year after year, and then I've watched them get supernatural breakthroughs that have taken days, months, instead of years. I mean, sometimes instantaneous physical healing, sometimes instantaneous uh, emotional breakthroughs, whatever. I've literally watched people in this church, other people I've discipled, other testimonies I've heard. I've watched it in my own life. People can struggle with the same lie, the same brokenness, the same thought. And yet, I, sometimes it's when they come to Jesus. Sometimes it's when they're effectively discipled. Sometimes it's when they reach the bottom of the barrel and they finally do it God's way instead of their way. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, there are principles in the Word of God that accelerate growth. There are principles in the Word of God, and I'm not saying that it's instantaneous all the time. Don't think that there's a quick fix in the Word of God. I'm saying that there are things you can do to do it Jesus' way, and He's not... I mean, literally, did Jesus come to people and say, 
your faith will heal you in a couple of months. You know, did, did Jesus counsel people and say, did Jesus say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I've been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted, but it's going to take you two years. Did he talk like that? No, he didn't talk like that. Like he wasn't, he didn't have medication. I mean, not to say that's all bad, but he didn't have medication. He didn't, he didn't sit down with people counseling them and all that. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that Jesus is the healer. He's the counselor. He's the healer of broken hearts. And there is wisdom and there is grace and there is power in the word of God. And now here's what I'm wondering. How do I get some of that? You know what I'm saying? See, maybe, maybe there is life that's trying to flow to you. And yet maybe the hose has been kinked. Maybe, maybe the hose is kinked and, wow, see, Tom, I don't know about this thing. <laughs> Tom was trying to help me out with this thing and I don't know. Tom, you're awesome. Don't worry about it. All right, here. It just fell right off my ear. Okay, so maybe the hose is kinked. Maybe there's a not enough flow, right? You know, maybe there is clogged arteries, you know? The blood's not flowing the way it needs to. See, here's the thing. If Jesus is the vine and you're the branch, and by abiding in him, his life transfers to your life and you get changed, well, dude, we need to make sure that that connection's good, right? If you're not connected, there's no life. That's why we need to accept Jesus as our Savior and our our forgiver and and our Lord, our leader. But once you're abiding in, he wasn't talking just about get saved. He was saying that there's actually a state of abiding. There's actually a place where you're connected and your heart's open and the life flow is happening. And I'll tell you, when a person understands how to do that in the Lord, there is, there is a speed and there is a, a flow where people can get breakthroughs faster than they were in the past. Again, not to say you don't have to do your work, but it's, it's awesome. So how do you do that? How do we do that? Let me bust out my electronic piece of paper here. And uh, this fancy thing here. All right. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeez. It's turning on me. I have to work on that. All right. So Matthew 16. We're going to read from verse 13. Um, actually, no, you know what? Let's just jump down for the sake of time and just look at verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. Let's get to the point here. Then Jesus said to his disciples... If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for? For his soul. We're saying that Barnabas was telling the church, have a plan to follow Jesus as Lord. Follow Jesus with a purpose of heart. But look at what Jesus does. He goes right to the heart issue and he talks about something going on in the inside of us that is at the core of discipleship. The core of what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus says, you can't even follow me unless you make this decision. See that? If, you, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. What, is that? what does that mean? That we need to deny ourself and take up our cross and follow him. Let me, let me just talk about the context about this really quick here. Because I think that we need to uh, understand where Jesus is coming from. I don't want to read the whole part, so I'm just going to tell you some of the story. 
Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. They're in a city called Caesarea Philippi. You can just back up to verse 13 and you can see that. They're hanging out and Jesus says to them, who do you say I am? Right? That, that's like the number one question all over the world, right? Hey, who am I? Jesus saying, who am I? And they're, they're saying, you know, first he says, who do people say I am? And they're like, oh, well, some people say you're the prophet, some people this, right? And that's the way people are in our culture. Well, some people think Jesus is a good teacher. Some people think this, some people think that. Who do you say I am? That's the key question, right? Who do you say that I am? And so this, so, so Peter steps up and says, you are the Christ. You're the son of God. He declares who Jesus is. Jesus turns right around and totally affirms him and blesses him and says, Simon, God revealed that to you. You didn't just get that out of a book. You didn't like figure that out because you're really smart. No, you've been walking with me, but I'm telling you, God the Father opened your heart to receive a revelation about who I am. He's basically saying, you're right. You, you got it. You got it. You've got, you hit it hard. That Jesus is the Savior of the world. That Jesus is the King of God's kingdom. That Jesus is going to rule over the nations. That Jesus is a fulfillment of all the prophecies in the Old Testament. That Jesus is the way to the Father. Peter got it, right? And, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, man, you got a revelation from me? And then he affirms the leadership and the calling and the anointing on Peter's life. He says, man, you're going to be the rock. I'll build my church right here. Like he was the, he was the, you know, the first leader with all these disciples. And Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail. He declares that, dude, my church is going to advance and, and death itself can't even stop the growth and the expansion of the church to bring transformation to the world. I mean, man, Peter's like, yeah. I mean, that's like, you're, talk, you're, right, you're talking to a guy right here. Jesus is talking to a guy. I'm the rock. I got a calling. That's right, man. I, right, guys? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I knew. I got, a, I got the right answer. I, I got a purpose now. And we're going to win. Yeah. Right, that's what men want to hear, you know? Yeah! And then Jesus looks at his disciples and says, Hey, and by the way, Son of Man's going to get beaten and betrayed. He's going to die. I'm going to get crucified. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Somehow they didn't hear the last part. They didn't get it. Peter didn't get it. And so he pulls Jesus to the side, and he rebukes Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. Jesus, that's not how it's going to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Jesus, what are you saying? Like, you just said we're going to get victorious. I like the victorious part. I, I like that. I like that. The, de- the Hades shall not prevail thing here, right? Gates of Hades not prevailing. What is this death talk? Bad. Words, Jesus. Words. Words of life, Jesus, right? Come on now. You know, you are the Messiah. Did you forget? I just told you. I told you. You are the Messiah. Come on. Right? So he's correcting Jesus. Rebuking Jesus for talking like that. He forgot that Jesus was speaking words of life. I will rise from the dead. Right? He rebukes Jesus and Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. Right? He says, man, that, he says, you're thinking about the things of man and not the things of God. You are interested in you, you, your life. And he says, that thought and your words, that is demonically endorsed. That's flesh, right? Flesh. Self, humanity without God. Self. 
demonically encouraged. That's what he says. He says, get behind me, Satan. Man, I rebuke that, right? And of course, the enemy was trying to undermine Jesus' confidence. He's a human being, just like, you know, he's 100% God, 100% man. And Jesus was like, uh-uh, I ain't receiving that. Man, I'm going to die. I'm going to do what God said to do, and I'm going to rise, right? Jesus was standing in what he just said. He rebukes Peter, and then he says to all his disciples, in light of that whole conversation about who he is, and Peter, and Peter's rebuke, and all that, he says, guys, I just want you to understand something. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to come and be with me in relationship with me, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross. Luke adds daily, right? Jesus said also, because he taught this more than once. Daily, take up your cross and follow me. See, Jesus understands. We were created to follow him, right? Be, Jesus came and to restore relationship with God, restore us to God, us to himself, and to lead us, right? I mean, the whole very core issue of sin is that we believed a lie and, and rebelled against God. So Jesus actually came to heal and redeem us at the very core of our being and to invite us into a relationship with himself where he is the leader. Amen? And so he came to heal that part of us because that part of us is what resists his leadership. That selfish part, that self. What does it mean to deny self? So you can't, you can't define what it means to deny self outside of the context of that conversation you had with Peter. Man, I'm sorry about that. Sorry about this crazy ear thing. Okay, so, because here's the deal. Peter wasn't really being honest with himself or Jesus, was he? Did you, do you think, I mean, think about it here. I don't, I'm not speculating. I mean, I think about this. Do you think Peter was really being honest with what he really felt on the inside when Jesus said that? Yeah, I'm going to get crucified. I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to die. On the third day, I'm going to rise again. What was going on in Peter? What would be going on in you? What was, what was rising up in Peter? Do you really think that Peter was thinking about Jesus' benefit? Maybe a slightly. Do you really think Jesus, I mean, Peter was thinking about that? What was really going on inside Peter? What if Peter was really honest with what he was thinking and what he was feeling? Don't you think it would go something more like, ooh, I, I don't like that, Jesus. That sounds scary to me. Wait a minute, if you're going to die, whoa, 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 I... That doesn't fit in, the, in the, my religious box of what I've learned about the Messiah. That sounds like defeat to me, Jesus. What, what, maybe, maybe we should go a little bit further. Fear rising up in Peter. What? My hope is in you and fear maybe that Peter would die? Maybe, that, maybe a fear of failure? We like victorious talk, don't we? But you're saying, you, that just sounded like failure to me. That just sounded like death to me, right? Self, self is that thing inside of us that is the self-preserving, self-protecting, that actually perceives things in the wrong way so that I protect and preserve myself. But in doing so, I keep life on the outside. I keep God out and I keep the negative in. I keep the negative emotions in. I keep the brokenness in and I create walls. I create defense mechanisms. I create lies. I create fight with people, run from relationships. I create these coping mechanisms, drugs, addictions that keep the good out and the bad in to preserve what? Self. Protect me from the fear that I feel. To protect my pride that I think I have. To protect 
me from the hurt I think people might bring me. And so people think that Jesus is a threat to them. They think God is trying to hurt them. They think that God's plan for their life is bad. And so they say, I don't think so. What was Peter reacting to? He was reacting to Jesus' words about dying. Because he was viewing everything through a lens of self, he didn't hear the resurrection. Because when you walk in that place of self, it is self-deception. And you filter. It's called selective hearing. We do it in relationships with one another. You don't hear everything your spouse says because you only hear what you want to hear or what your coping and defense mechanisms have conditioned you to hear. And they could say something and you completely misinterpret it. You can misinterpret the way they said it. That's why text messaging is banned in, in, in relational conflicts. Like in our church, we do not... We do not try to reconcile over text messages. It's the worst thing in the world because you can't. But even verbal communication, somebody says something and you completely misread it. Where is your interpretation of the words coming from? It's through the lens of your own self. See, you cannot, I'm not saying this is the only definite, I could probably preach a hundred sermons on deny yourself, take up a cross, follow Jesus, and, we can, and I'm sure, there, not just me, I'm sure there could be a hundred sermons and all of them will be right from different aspects of, of surrender and obedience, and I mean, we could talk about all that kind of stuff, right? But I want to talk about today, because, you know, I, I didn't really want to talk about this, to be honest. Holy Spirit was like, no, you're going to talk about this. What I want to talk to you about is that you cannot have the denial of self, the surrendering of this self, without honesty and vulnerability. Peter was lying. Okay, now, I'm saying lying, but you're like, he wasn't lying, he was just scared. I know, but we're going to call it lying. What I mean is, he wasn't... <laughs> It was self-deception. Most of the time, self-deception means you don't even know you're deceived. He, Peter didn't know he was afraid. Peter didn't know he was full of pride and was afraid of failing because if he fails, then I'm not, I'm not the man now. Right? He didn't know that, and neither do you, 90% of the time. We don't know what's lurking on the inside of us most of the time. We don't realize that we're actually preserving ourselves when we push people away in relationships, or when we're not surrendering to God, or when we're believing lies, they are demonically endorsed lies from the enemy. He's, cu he's cultivating that in you. Is it? But it's you too, right? It's your own fear. That's why Jesus said, you get behind me. Satan, you have in your, in your mind, or you know, you're basically entertaining the things of man instead of the things of God, right? It's this, it's this demon, these demonic uh, concepts that come and say, yeah, 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 you don't, you don't want to die with Jesus. No, that's a bad idea. Yeah, that's a bad idea. No, 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 you need to rebuke Jesus, right? And so we actually tell God what God should think, right? We correct God and tell God the way God should do things in our life because we don't want to deal with us. And we can blame and we can tell other people what they need, right? We, we're good at judging. We're good at telling. Now, let me tell you, Dave, Dave, Dave you, you, Dave, you need to tell my spouse they need to do this differently, right? We're good at finding out what other people need to do differently. We're good at correcting. We're good at judging. We're good at blaming. We're good at shifting responsibility. But we're not good at taking responsibility for our own emotions, thoughts, dysfunctions, right? Why? Self. And Jesus is telling us, Jesus is not condemning. Jesus is not beating anyone up. Jesus is literally telling us what brings life. If you try to save your life, you will lose it. If you will lose your life for my sake. What does it mean? If you'll surrender your life for me. Now, I know that, like I said, we could preach a bunch of sermons about how seek first the kingdom. You know, da, 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 da. But I'm saying, he's not talking about being hardcore for Jesus in this verse. He's not. 
I used to think that. I used to be, deny yourself, yeah, go for God, go for God, hardcore. Until I realized, no, he was actually talking about denying that thing in me that was driving me. He was ta- he's, ta- he's talking about religion. Weren't the, didn't the Pharisees, Pharisees were all about self, weren't they? Their rules protected them from their fear of failure. They thought God hated them or would be mad at them or would reject them if they, if they dropped the ball, legalistically. Their rules were a facade for junk going on inside their heart, right? Jesus said, man, you got, you're full of greed. You're full of wickedness. You don't really love people. They didn't love people. They're mad when somebody got healed. Dang it, it would happen on the Sabbath. You know? They, Pharisees, Pharisees, a spirit of religion creates a facade, a mask. And all that is, is hiding me, protecting me. So I don't have to feel like God will reject me. So Jesus comes on the scene and says, don't worry, sin's not real. Just joking, right? No, sin is real. Judgment is real. But Jesus didn't walk around condemning people to, for being sinners. You're a sinner. That's what the Pharisees would say. I can't believe Jesus is hanging out with a sinner, right? Jesus would say, hey, I'm here to heal the sick. Jesus defines sin as brokenness, deviation from God's will, you know, sickness. And he would say, I'm here to heal. I'm here to redeem. So he would say the word what? He would use the word repent. Repentance is an invitation to change. Hey, hey, come to me. Follow me. Deny yourself. I will give you life. I will teach you humility. I will give you rest. I will heal you on the inside and on the outside. Just come to me. Repent of those wrong ways of thinking about God, of those ways that you've been coping with your life. Just repent. It's the invitation to change. The Pharisees now you're a sinner. But what were they doing? By judging other people, by boosting up their own pride, by saying, I'm following the rules, they felt they were safe. And they were deceiving themselves. It was self. So I'm telling you, you know, I'm telling you, you know, some of the things we could talk about here. Unforgiveness. Have you ever had some, you ever been here in, this, in, in your life? Unforgiveness. You don't want to forgive. I'm not forgiving that person. No way I'm forgiving that person, right? That's called self. Self. Why? Because you don't even realize, you don't even realize by not forgiving them, you're only hurting one person. You. You are holding in death and keeping life out. By protecting yourself with a thing you call unforgiveness. Because I'm not going to be a doormat. Self. Now, hey man, Jesus never said to be a doormat. Right? What I'm talking about is that's self. We create philosophies, either personal or corporate philosophies, you know, cultural philosophies in life, to protect ourselves. In the flesh, in self, there's always extremes. Either the doormat or the, I'm not going to be a doormat, you know, and the guy gets an AK-47 or something. You know, it's like, but in the spirit, Jesus teaches us how to get whole. He teaches us our value, that we don't need to be walked upon, and we can walk in value as, you know, as his kids, and we can release things, right? Jesus brings us into a place of wholeness and of balance, walking in the spirit where life can happen, okay? The Bible literally calls these things strongholds fortresses, walls that keep the good out and the bad in. And they are demonically endorsed lies. Culturally speaking, personally speaking, they are fortresses, walls that block this stuff. And so what happens when the water's flowing through the hose, but it's kink? What happens when truth is coming at you, but you have a huge fortress up? It can't get in. So you can hear a sermon, you could read the Bible, you could spend time with God, and like I said, you do, it's going to help. 
But you want to increase it? You've got to expose the deceptions and the lies and the things that are promoting or protecting self. Because I'm telling you, the truth is coming at you and it just bounced right off. Some might get in, praise God. But Jesus said there's good soil, there's hard soil, there's rocky soil, there's thorny soil. The truth's coming at you. But are you receiving it? And we need to deal with this thing called self. And I really believe, like I said, let me repeat it again, that the key to denying self, at least the first step, like we, uh, at least I'm saying we can't do denying self without becoming a vulnerable and honest and open and authentic, real, raw, straight up people. Because that's the number one thing that self wants to do is hide or run or defend or protect. And what it does to do that is it creates lies. That's why I said it's lies. Peter was lying. I didn't mean that he knew he was lying. What I mean is he created a system to defend himself and that the system was defensive, deceptive. Um, you know, even things like, I'm not, I don't, you, you were hurt before in your past, so now I'm not going to trust people. You put up walls to trust people. But what are you doing? You're keeping good people out, and you're, you're keeping the bad people out, but you're keeping the good people out too. You're creating a defense mechanism to never trust anyone. And it's hindering you from having life. Right? We could go on and on about, I mean, that's really what addictions are, right? And most people who are in addictions, whether it be a chemical addiction or sexual addiction or or whatever, right? M many ladies don't even realize that, they, that the codependent relationships they're in are addictions. I'm not addicted. Yeah, because that person's become your God. Right. And they don't realize that, what that what's going on in that is it's not about that. And this is the thing with religion. It's not about that being sin. Yeah, it is sin because it's brokenness and destruction. It doesn't honor God. doesn't bring you life. That's what sin is. But the issue is not that. The issue is why you do it. That I get depressed, I feel like a failure, so then I'm going to go toke. Just, most of you guys probably don't even know that word, right? You're going to go smoke some weed or something. Like you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go check out, right? Or I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid I'm not lovely or beautiful. Or I'm afraid financially. So I'm going to go and give myself to this individual sexually or in an emotional way that's not healthy. Why? So that they'll protect me. Okay? Let me, let, me, let me do it from this angle. Remember in Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son? Okay? You know, we don't, we don't need to turn there right now, but, but basically the prodigal son, okay, if you remember, there's two sons that were disconnected from the father, but the first son, he said, give me my inheritance to the father. Father gives him his inheritance, and he goes off into a far country, and he wastes his father's money, or his own inheritance, you should, uh, rather, I should say, wastes his own inheritance on, on just on sinful living, okay? Just waste it. Then there's a famine that hits the land, okay? Tragedy hits, drought, famine. He has no more money, and now tragedy hits. And he says, oh no, what am I going to do? And what does he do? He sells himself into slavery to a man in that land. He begins to, he, his job is to feed the pigs. He's so hungry because no one will give him any food that he is desiring pig's food. He's not making very much money, is he? He doesn't have a very good boss, does he? Let me tell you something. Anytime you deviate from the Father being your provider, being the one who says who you are, your identity, who gives you your resources, who provides for you, who declares your identity over you, you are my son, you are my daughter, I love you. 
Anytime you deviate in your life purpose or your life goal from what Father says about me and what Father has called me to, right? When you leave the Father's house of living in God's love for you and what God says about you and trusting in Him for your provision, believing in His promise, every time you deviate from that, you give yourself to someone else as your master. It will happen. Sometimes it happens after we've wasted our, you know, lived in sin, and then brokenness comes, right? Some people, they say, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I'm in this mess because there was a famine. No, the famine hit. You're in this mess. The famine's the circumstance. You're in this mess because you left the Father's house and you wasted the grace that he gave you, right? The famine's the circumstance, People all the time. I'm telling you, you know, we're going to have to call it uh, Luke and Mari's FPU now from now on, you know. No, I'm, I'm telling you, people will tell me I can't get out of debt or I can't deal with the finances because, you know, for example, say, I don't have a job. Because the problem is I don't have a job. That's not the problem. That's the circumstance. Now, I, hey, we, we, there's an econ- there is an issue of economy going on here. I'm not trying to put people down or whatever. But I'm saying you can grow no matter your circumstance. You can return to the Father, no matter the circumstance. You can connect your heart to the Father and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus at any point. Is my point, right? Okay, so what happens when you leave the Father, you become a slave of someone else. Was that master a very good master? No. You exchange the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you exchange the goodness of the Father for something way less. You know, I remember I used to preach the gospel to people on the streets and I would, uh, more than I do now. And I you know, used to tell youth all the time, man, did your pot hug you? Did your pot tell you you love you? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to change your life? No. You know what I'm saying? Those things are coping mechanisms. Man, I really, I'll just take anything right now, you know? I'm emotionally in a wreck. My circumstances stink. I should eat pig slop. I eat, take drugs. You know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? You exchange the goodness of the Lord Jesus for another master, for another provider, for another person. This happens in marriage all the time. People stop uh, uh, walking in unity with their spouse, and they expect their spouse to be their God, to be their provider of emotional or whatever supply. The moment you put your spouse on that level, they're your God, they're going to let you down. And that will lead to anger and blah, 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 right? You know, it can happen in any dynamic when someone else other than God is that source. And we create these defenses and things like that. <clears throat> Look with me in Luke 11. Let me just show you how this works a little bit. We've got to wrap this up with Luke 11. So we'll bring it home here in a second. Look at this in Luke chapter 11, verse 33. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Clint brought this out in the summertime that... That, the, that, this, that this is talking about our perception of truth. I want to build on that a little bit. If you didn't hear him, if you did, either way. See, the word is called a light and a lamp. Jesus calls the word a light in the New Testament. Okay? 
you can study yourself. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Right? His word is this tool that God uses to search us out and the motives of our heart, why we do what we do. Not just what we do, but why we do what we do. Not just the behavior, but the heart, the motive, the goal behind what we're doing. Why did Peter say, No, 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 Jesus, nope, not going to happen to you, because of something going on in the heart, the motive of his heart. And Jesus was rebuking that thought or that motive or that desire. Uh, even Hebrews 4 says that it's the word of God that searches the thoughts and the motives. And, he's t- and it's talking about the written word and Jesus as the word. The word is the light, but not in this parable. Here, it's talking about something going on inside you. Your eye in this parable is the light. So how is it that the word is light, but your eye is the lamp and the light? Is it because human beings are the source of absolute truth and we know everything? Obviously not, right? We don't believe that around here, right? The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Not that we can't know the truth, but that because we've deviated from the revelation of who God is in Jesus, there's deception. No. Jesus isn't saying, like, you guys just figure, find the truth on your own. Right? It's obviously not what he's saying. He's talking about what Clint said in the summer. Perception. But let me change the word. Reception of truth. Light shines on you. That's the word. And if you'll let the word shine on you, the entrance of the word brings light. Darkness is deception, is self-preservation, the stuff I was just talking about. Light shines on you, exposes the self-preservation, exposes self, exposes the lies, and invites you to a place of surrender and trust in him. But Jesus says your eye is the lamp. He's talking about your reception of the truth. Meaning that there are people who have a block in them that keeps the light out. Literally, in order to have transformation, you need a combination of two things to happen. His word and your receptivity to it. Another way to say it is his truth and your truthfulness. See, God's going to be truthful and honest to you. That's his word. I love you. I'm not lying. Right? I died for you. My, my blood shed for you. You are righteous in Christ. I'm coming back again. I mean, he is not lying. He's being honest with you. He is telling you the truth. When God tells you there's sin in your life, He's being honest with you. And he only does it because he loves you, right? Jesus doesn't walk around criticizing, beating people up. And his word is that light to show you who he is, who you are, what's going on inside of you, and invite you to a place of freedom. But if you're dishonest, hiding, not vulnerable, your eye doesn't let the light in. To let the light of his word Ignite your lamp, which shines into you. The illustration for me would be a person hiding in their house with the doors shut and the windows shut and the, clo- and the curtains closed, hiding in darkness. What, what is vulnerability? What is honesty? It's transparency. What's transparent? Glass. Better yet, open the doors, open the windows, and let them in. Do you see what I'm saying? You can have light on the outside of a house. But if everything's shut up, it's not getting in. And so a person can sit in church, a person can read their Bible, i.e. Pharisee, i.e. people go to Bible studies all the time, and ignore, hide. Have you ever met a preacher 
that they could preach the word, they could teach what it says, but they didn't have life transformation on the outside, and they were ignoring or hiding, either hiding from other people or literally ignoring it on the inside of them, brokenness, sin, and bondage in their own life? You ever met somebody like that? I met a lot of people like that. And so how could that happen? There's a lot of light on the outside, but they weren't letting it in. See, how can you, how can you apply the cure to the wound if you don't know what the wound is? See, one extreme, people get stuck in the wound, right? They get focused on the wound, and they, and they who hurt me, and they want to go back to their past. They think that they want to change their past. That's, a, that's actually something we get stuck in. People get stuck in, that hurt me, I'm hurt, so-and-so hurt me, my parents didn't love me the way I need to be loved, you know, I'm lacking, I'm lacking, I'm lacking, and they get stuck there. Okay, that's one extreme. The other extreme is the person who's like, you know, word, 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 loving Jesus, I'm in the word, you know, that kind of thing, but there's no honesty. You want to see life transformation and you want to see acceleration in your growth, you deny self by saying, here I am, Lord. Some of the, one of the greatest prayers, Psalm 139, search me, O Lord. See, it's not self-analyzation. It's, Lord, let your light shine into me in this open heart. I'm opening everything up to the searching light of your word. Increase the amount of word coming into you. You'll increase the light coming into you. Increase your honesty, you'll increase the receptivity of the word actually having an effect on you. Lots of word? Yeah. Dave Turner is always going to say that. Lots of openness is what's going to accelerate your growth. The more raw and real and open and honest you are, the more truth can actually land and stick and hit you and apply to those areas. Absolutely amazing. You have honesty without the word? then you're just in your own self. My feelings, my life, me, me, me. And you're going to live in that self-deception and preserve your own self. And people do that. People actually use the, I know what's wrong with me, and I know who hurt me. And they use all of that to actually keep them from letting the healing come in. But the person who sees the breakthrough is the person who says, it's the, the word is my healing. I mean, Jesus is the healer, and his word will bring life to me. His word will bring light to me. And it's the person who lets that word come in and says, now how does this work? Just real simple. I think just simple. Get in the word and, and let the light shine and then just say yes every time it hits you. Like open the windows up. Say, Lord, search me. Pray that prayer. But literally when it hits, you say, yes, Lord. You say, yep, that's what's going on inside of me. Uh, <clears throat> Amen. Owen, come on up. Owen's going to lead us in response. Owen's going to help us to just kind of apply this for a couple minutes before we leave. All right? So uh, take it away, Owen. Amen. Um, worship team, you can come up, um, and we'll stay seated as a church. I, um, I'm going to be leading us in a time of kind of response and thinking about how do we respond to this word. Um, we're going to be kind of doing this with a team of people that will be coming up each week after the message just to lead us in a response. And um, for me, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's just because I'm sitting in the splash zone, but um, there really is a weight to what is going on right now. There really is um, a glory. There, there's a weight um, of glory. There's a, an actual word in Hebrew. I think it's Shekinah, if I'm not mistaken. Shekinah glory is the weighty glory. And um, 
it's not disconnected from what's going on right now. It means that through what Dave is talking about, there's an actual presence of God. His Holy Spirit is stirring in, in what is being said today. So I, I want us to tune into that rather than get distracted and get thinking about the next thing you need to do. Um, so take a moment, and I'll, I'll direct us in a moment of, of responding. Just take a moment. We'll just take one minute just to put out the distractions. Maybe close your eyes if you need to. Relax if you need to. Just to get in tune with, with what the Holy Spirit is doing in this place. To connect your heart with Him. To feel that, that weighty glory, however He speaks to you.